Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello and welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. My name is Davey. I'm your host. And joining me again in the virtual studio across the airwaves in several states, Mel McIsaac. Mel, great to have you. Great to be here. How are you doing today, Davey? Oh, I'm doing really well. I'm doing really well. Um, we're on this topic of perfectionism, so I don't feel like I'm quite me- meeting up to my standards today. Oh man, what are your standards? Uh, I have very high standards. And so I just already get out of the gate, got out of bed, and I hit my snooze for like 30 minutes today. So boom, I'm already failing at life. <laughs> uh, but no. did you brush your teeth? I mean, uh, it doesn't really matter because this is a virtual. Eventually. Eventually yeah. I did. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> After I've got to be honest with you. I usually drink a cup of coffee or two before I brush my teeth in the morning. Is that odd? Same. Do no, okay. I did the same thing. Okay, that's good. Mm-hmm. Christy will come downstairs and we'll, she'll like sit next to me and we'll read in our Bibles and we both kind of cover our mouths while we're talking to each other. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, we have an awesome interview today. It's with um, an author named Jen Wise, and it's really great. She talks a lot about this idea of perfectionism and mom guilt that you feel. And I don't know about you, but I have a lot of mom guilt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My... I can tell it's just piling <laughs> on your shoulders. <laughs> no, I was curious. Um, tell me a little bit about what it's like. I mean, you've got three kids and they're, uh, you know, the range of ages. You're in ministry. You are, you know, a pastor's wife of all things. Holy cow. That in, in and of itself is a lot of weight. You're homeschooling. You got all kinds of, I'm sure you deal with this idea of mom guilt and perfectionism. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, one thing that has been really good is sometimes I'll switch on the pendulum of just feeling the need to be super on it, have all my ducks in a row. And then unfortunately, sometimes it goes to the wayside and I, the pendulum swings and I'm like, I don't even know what day it is. Is it 2019 yet? Um, And so one thing that has been really good for me is we love to have people in our home. We have people in our home every week and uh, just to kind of keep myself in check and just one, I know how much of a perfectionist I'm trying to be is when I have young moms or single girls in my home, I always like to keep a the sink full of dishes and it's a win-win. A, I don't have to do the dishes, <laughs> but then B, they get to see that we don't even slightly have it together. And I mean, not that that really takes that long because I have three kids and you come in my house and it's like the land of the crumbs <laughs> and I'm actually contemplating getting a dog for that same reason. Like I've actually quizzed people that I know, what is the crumb ratio from like one dog to three kids? Will it, do I have to vacuum still? I mean, what's that like? I don't think you do. We were just dog sitting for Christy's sister for like two weeks and, um, um, it was like having a third kid. Of course, I told Christy when the dog came in is a, a golden retriever, beautiful dog named Samson. But when the dog got here, I was like, this one's not my kid. This is your kid. This one's on you. Okay. But I did appreciate it because I would like, at one point I dropped some food on the floor and I was like, oh my gosh. And I went to go clean it up. Samson was right there to pick it up. I was like, this is actually kind of convenient. I can't let my kid do this. You know, my kid can, hey, Weston, go ahead. Can you just eat that off the floor? But Samson will. It's great. Well, I will say this. My son, his name is Bear. Bear does that. Like a piece of banana will drop to the ground and I'll look down and I'm like, oh, Bear. Okay. Well, this is just building your immune system. There it is. Well, his name's Bear. So of course, he's definitely going to be able to eat food off the floor. I love that name. He's a man child. 
Just a man child. That's amazing. I love that. Well, we're really excited about this interview. But before we get into the interview, I wanted to remind everybody, make sure you subscribe to our email list. Yeah. Davey, how do we do that? Oh, that's, uh, we go, so if you go to DaveyBlackburn.com or NothingIsWasted.com, right now it takes you to the same place and you go all the way down to the bottom you can type in your email address on this little button that says subscribe. In fact, if it's the first time you visited the website, there should be a little pop-up that says, hey, subscribe to our email list, and you can just type in your information right there. And that gets, we send out all kinds of updates on that. Anytime there's a new blog post, which by the way, we're getting some more blog writers other than myself to start writing some blogs on this topic. So it's going to be really fun. You're going to want to make sure you read some of this content from really great writers who are going to be writing. Um, We're also going to send out prayer updates. I mean, this is one of the Mm -hmm. biggest things about this transition for us, Mel, is... You know, we're, we're, we're speaking at different churches just about every weekend, and we want people to pray. We want people to pray mm-hmm. for us that, that God prepares the way that the, the gospel is cast out on um, good, fertile soil and that people are helped. In, in their in their trial, their tragedy that they're walking through. We can help people find purpose and pain. So we want to tell people, hey, this is where we're going to be this weekend. Go ahead and, and pray for us. And so, um, and then we'll also, anytime we have any kind of new products or services to help you as you're finding purpose in your pain, we're emailing them out first to our email subscribers. So okay. first dibs on, on all that stuff. Yeah, you can't pass this up. That's right. Also, while you're doing it, make sure you go and rate and review the podcast. So while you're just there on your computer, go rate and review the podcast. Um, This really helps tremendously. So if this podcast has helped you, we would love um, if you would would help us by just writing a review. We love reading your reviews. It is very cool to see how this podcast is transforming people's lives. And, And this just helps the podcast kind of climb in the charts, get more visibility and exposure. And, um, and, and, and also something that would help is just sharing it, share with people. Mm. Mel, have you ever shared the Nothing Is Wasted podcast with a friend? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. I didn't know if you had or not. So I was just putting you no, on the spot. Yeah, there. I have. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. It's hard for me to share it with a friend because like, hey, go listen to this podcast I do. But you should check this out. I sound really, really good. <laughs> <laughs> Christy said the other day that what did, she said... I sound like a like Morgan Freeman in her in her ears. I'm like, wait a minute. Do you like Morgan Freeman's voice better than better than mine? Like that's a little bit I need to Morgan I, I, there's, Freeman, there's, you better watch out. I know. Davis I'm like, I need to check into this a little bit. Hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. Um, and also we just want to say that if you have an encouraging story or if God has used this podcast in any sort of way, would you please just um, go ahead and email us at hello? at nothingiswasted.com. We would love to hear from you and even know how we can pray specifically for you in this season. So yeah, we just want to thank you and... Love it. And please go follow Instagram. We got our Instagram handle, right? Nothing is Wasted Ministries. And um, our social media team's doing a lot of work to give you some behind the scenes stuff, give you some encouraging quotes. It's awesome. And it looks really good too. It looks a it's lot beautiful. like... looks a lot cuter than my Instagram. I can't figure out how to do all that like cool stylish stuff with Instagram. I know. I know. I would say your wife is really good at this. She's very good at it. I'm not. I think that people come to me for wit and delight, but not pretty pictures. (laughs) (laughs) Wit and delight. I love that. I love that. Well, let's go ahead and jump into this interview with Jen Wise.
Jen, great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me today. Hey, you have just released this book called The Bright Life, and I'm so interested in this topic because it's something that my wife and I talk about a lot. She is all into this idea of holistic healing and how when you walk through life, you walk through pain, you walk through tragedy or trial of any kind, it's not just the spiritual side of things that we need to look at, but it's really a holistic thing. But you haven't just stumbled upon this either. There's some things that have happened in your life that has led you to to write this book. So tell me a little bit about you and some of the things that led up to writing The Bright Life. Yeah. You know, I think that, you know, early in life, you kind of get in this phase, at least I know that my family did, where you're kind of running at a million miles an hour and you're mm. trying to, you know, be a great parent and have a career and have a great house and entertain and, you know, be involved in your church and save the world and all these things. Yeah. And you kind of end up um, just really run down. And, you know, for my family, like we were just running at this really frantic pace. And I know for myself, um, it was almost... I wouldn't say that I thought it was a good way to live, but I kind of thought that was what you had to do to kind of achieve that life that you wanted or that you felt like you were meant for, that you maybe culture makes you feel like you need to have. Um, So yeah, we had kind of just been running at this breakneck pace for years and years, staying up super late, not really taking care of ourselves um, and kind of hit a wall where um, Hmm. my husband was sick. I was run down. Um, and even kind of in his, him having some health problems, like I was, I just didn't, I didn't slow down. I just took on his responsibilities, did more. Um, and we just kind of got to the spot where it just felt kind of, yeah, just exhausted, empty. Um, yeah. And everything was kind of running on fumes. So it's not a great place to be. (laughs) No, absolutely. And I'm sure there's so many people that experience it. There's so much talk about burnout and, depression, the statistics of depression and anxiety these days and all the comparison traps that we get into with Instagram and social media. And it's so hard to, when you find yourself in this, like kind of this rat race, this surely is not the way that, you know, the Lord intended us to live. And yet somehow it feels like in order, sometimes serving God, (laughs) this is how we're supposed to live, or this is the flow that things have been brought to us. And so you you mentioned that you, you guys, you were run down, your husband is experiencing at the time, some, some health issues. What what was that like? Cause I know that you guys, you mentioned some things in, in your bio, in the book about, um, uh, walking through a year or so of just some health issues and trying to figure out what was going on. What was that like walking beside him in that? Um, you know, it was really difficult. Um, it was, yeah, we did, you know, I feel like I'm really blessed to have a friends and family and a church community that are very supportive and, mm. um, and kind of came around me to be supportive in that time and our family. Um, but it was really hard. I think partially because I still felt the need to kind of keep up all the things I already had in the air. So I was still Mm. trying to juggle all these balls, um, but then also feeling depleted and worried and everything was very unknown. Um, So it was just a really hard season. And, you know, I think that one thing I did learn during that time is how important it is to be able to let things go and to not feel that you have to measure up to all these arbitrary standards. Um, and maybe there are times when your house is sparkling clean and you have this (laughs) amazing social calendar and, you know, and you're, you know, nailing all these great jobs and returning emails in five seconds. And then maybe there are seasons when you're not going to be impressive at all to anyone. And that's 100% okay. Mm. Like you don't have to be, you don't have to do that. And that was probably one of my biggest takeaways is just learning to, 
to not try so hard. Um, yeah. And that kind of like when we stop trying so hard, we end up a lot happier and healthier. And, you know, I don't know, we learn to just trust in God's love instead of trying to earn earn that, I guess. Wow. Wow. Well, I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram. We talk about this quite a bit with our listeners. I am an Enneagram three. So this idea of striving <laughs> is right, right up my alley, <laughs> but I love, there's this thing that you talk about in this book called the rhythms of grace or the, the unforced rhythms of grace. Can you yeah. help me understand that concept a little more? Because I love the way it sounds, but I'm like, but what is that? How does that, how do, <laughs> what does that mean? I don't even know. <laughs> talk to me about yeah. that a little bit. I think that the unforced rhythms of grace is something that comes from Eugene Peterson's message mm. translation of the Bible. And it's a phrase that I, the first time I read it was several years back and it just really struck me because I think that we all kind of have this tendency to try to perform. And, you know, we probably don't think that we need to earn our salvation or something to that, you know, to that extent. Right. Like we wouldn't say that, but yet we feel the need to hold everything together, do everything perfectly, make the most of every second. And I know, I mean, I'm really hard on myself that way. If I accidentally sleep in an extra half an hour, like <laughs> I feel like I'm a bad person. You know, I don't, right. I don't just think I'm a little behind. Like I actually feel like a deep sense of shame. Like I've yeah. not squeezed everything out of the day that I could. Um, yeah. And so I think learning to accept the idea that God is the one who's in control. God is the person who is putting this world back together and that we're invited to be a part of that in a meaningful way, but mm. that we aren't meant, it's not our job to do it, to, to, to do that. It's God's job right. that we're a part of. So if, you know, if we make a mistake or if we sleep in, or if we, you know, utter, you know, a grumbling word to someone or say something ridiculous, you know, Yes, there's, I don't know, just learning to accept that grace and forgiveness and knowing that God's going to keep doing what he's doing, mm. um, whether we perform perfectly or not, and whether we look perfect and act perfect and, whole, you know, you can do everything right and things can still be really hard. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Can, tell me, tell me a little bit about, you know, when, when you talk about the the idea of this unforced, unforced rhythms of grace, what, what does that look like for, you know, me everyday person who right now I'm an inundate I'm inundated by messages of squeeze out every last ounce of the day productivity apps you know we've got people yeah. that are like you know hey I crush it like 60 hour a week you know work week <laughs> and 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 this seems to be the flow of what the world is saying and yet when you open up scripture it doesn't seem to be the flow in which Jesus walked and it doesn't seem to be the message that he carries but what does that mean for uh, like practically speaking here in 2019, how do you do that? Especially when the world around you is moving at Mach 6 with their hair on fire, you know? Right. I mean, to be honest, for me, it's really hard. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, I would say there are two angles to that for me. And one is more of just the tangible day-to-day -day side of that, which is that it is difficult to step out of that. Um, it was really challenging. Like I started, I used to stay up till two in the morning, two or three in the morning every night just to try to get, you know, the most out of my day and right. keep up in the world and all these things. And so even just learning to go to bed earlier was a struggle. Um, mm. uh, cause you felt like, you know, there's still more to do. I, if I stayed up a little later, I could get more things done and get a little further ahead. Um, and so I think like for a lot of those things, either going to bed earlier or not working on the weekends, or declining a few social invitations or doing less activities, you know, having your kids in less activities, all of that really requires faith. Um, mm. 
And I don't mean that in a trite way, but a lot of times we are, we are, we're staying up late, you know, we're burning both ends of the candle, we're running our kids ragged, our families are exhausted. And it's because we really have this sense that that's what we need to do to, you know, make something of ourselves, or that's what we need to do to finally feel like, you know, we are valued and accepted and important. Um, So I think just learning to kind of step out of some of those things, you know, keeping actual free time on your calendar, Hmm. um, (laughs) which is like, nobody does that. So that's something I've tried to start to do is block off like an evening of just like staying home. Like we're just, unless we decide to go out, but like just casually, we're not doing anything crazy that night. Um, so I think, yeah, just learning to kind of take a step back in all these areas because we're able to trust that, you know, like God, God will keep our footing sure. Even if we go to bed early, like, it's not like we go to bed early and the world falls apart. Like we go to bed early because we're called to rest and we're called to trust that when we rest, God keeps things moving for us. Yeah. Um, so I think that, and then also, you know, but that I would say the other flip side of that is kind of having to learn to take a step back from really, I don't know, being more gracious with ourselves Mm. because, um, I think that when we when we learn to be more comfortable with who we are and um, and learn to really rest in God's love and the value that He's given us, that's when you know we suddenly have a lot less things that we feel like we have to keep up with. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Because I I tend to think that if you know if I have chipped nail polish or if the house isn't clean or if I have an inbox with emails, if there's anything left to be done, like that means I'm a bad person. Right. And so. Um, I think like when we really learn to just, yeah, be comfortable with ourselves and to know that we're okay. Like we're okay because God loves us and, you know, we're already forgiven. He's working in our hearts and he's holding our lives together. That's when we're able to kind of step back and relax finally. Yeah. And then ironically, that's when we actually find like that life that we really want where we're fulfilled and we're happy and we're connected to other people and you know, it kind of works. It works in reverse. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That it's so it's very counterintuitive and yet it works. And I feel like that's how God's kingdom works. You know, it seems like, um, this whole idea of identity and activity, we tend to, uh, build our identity on our activity and what we can do, what we can accomplish. And, you know, Jesus, before he ever started any kind of public ministry, his identity was declared over him when he was baptized, right? God says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. It's like, well, wait, Jesus hadn't done anything yet. You know, what are you, what are you (laughs) pleased with? It's the identity is supposed to come first, right? It's out of the flow of our identity that we walk in the activity that he has, you know, set in front of us. And so then it becomes this like running with the wind at your back rather than running with the wind at your face. And I love what you just said. (laughs) I love that. Oh, I love what you just said about this idea of like, it's really true faith. I mean, like sometimes I think people think faith have to be this, this like big, I believe God for these big things. It's like, but do you believe him for the small things to say, Hey, I don't, I don't need to do this. I, I should take a day to rest, a Sabbath day, even though I feel like I don't have enough time to. It's like, well, actually in God's kingdom or in his like mathematics, I don't have enough time not to because I need to right. <laughs> I need to walk in the flow of these unforced rhythms of grace. You you talk about this yeah. th- this idea of like the bright, the bright life, right? This is what the title of the right. book is. How do you define that? What is the, the bright life by definition? Yeah, you know, I think it's the I think that the bright life is when we learn to let go and stop trying so hard and are able to rest in that love and value. Mm. Um, because that's when, 
you know, we're a, we are well rested. So when we're awake, we're actually present. I think we slow down enough. Yeah. To see the people around us. Um, because I think it's, I used to think like, wow, that's so interesting. Like when I have a little more time in my schedule, it just works out that I interact with all these people who I could, you know, stop and pray (laughs) with someone or I can bring someone a meal. And then you realize those people are there, whether you see them or not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like there are people everywhere that you know are just looking for someone to be friendly, or might need to come over for dinner, or just need you to slow down and be kind to them. Um, they're there. We just don't see them because we're running around like kind of like frantically hmm. trying to manage everything. So I just think the bright life is that life that we all actually want, where we have meaningful relationships. You know, we feel healthy and vibrant. We are able to join in like where we feel the spirit moving or where we feel, you know, God's love is needed. We're able to extend that. Um, and we have time and energy just for those things that really matter. Yeah. And yeah, just you're connected to people. I think that that is, those are the things that we really want. I mean, everyone talks about like, oh, they want to be in like the Friends TV show or you're with your friends and you help <laughs> stuff. And I'm like, I think the way to have that like life where you're connected and all that is to just relax a little bit yeah. and to trust in God's love and to follow his lead. Yeah. So. That's so good. Um, you know, there, it's like the difference between networking, you know, it's like trying to find yeah. the person that's going to get you to the next <laughs> level or whatever and allowing God to create those providential relationships. Like right. if you just have right. enough space to just go, Hey, I'm going to like look for opportunities to minister to people and serve people and have enough space to do that and let yeah. God just kind of do his thing. There's, there's an amazing right. freedom in that an amazing, um, uh, work that God can do out of that. That's like, wow, I got there. I got to the same destination. <laughs> I just feel a lot better, <laughs> about, right. you know, right. about it. And I don't, I don't, I'm not, you know, burning, burning the candle at both ends. What's the, you know, yeah. you guys, your family experienced this and this was kind of the epiphany that you had. What are, what's, what's at risk for us? I mean, what is the, what are the consequences to us, you know, pedal to the metal all the time, yeah. You know, there are times I'm, you know, surely, I mean, you're in book release mode. So it's like, yeah, you gotta, you gotta hit the pedal to the metal for a right. season, but for <laughs> do, to do that indefinitely, what are the consequences, uh, both yeah. physically and spiritually for, for us? Yeah. I mean, I think physically for sure, you know, you're going to get sick and it, that might look different for everyone, mm. but even things like, you know, I myself have gone to the doctor, you know, for different things over the years thinking something's really wrong. Like I'm sick or, you know, of course my brain goes to cancer or like whatever. And it's really just that I'm exhausted. Like Mm. I'm running myself down. I'm not, you know, taking care of myself and your body or you're, you know, you become overly stressed, you're anxious, you're not sleeping enough. Um, And it does, it takes its toll on your body. I think we'd like to think of our bodies and our souls as like two separate things, but, Mm. but we're really one person and you can't really, you know, take care of one thing without, you know, and leave the other hanging because yeah. it doesn't work that way. Um, so I think there are like a lot of physical tolls, but then spiritually, I mean, I just think when we live like that, um, we're kind of making a choice. We're making a statement of where our heart is, which is that we don't think that God's love is reliable. We don't think that God's love is trustworthy. Mm-hmm. And the more that we kind of nurture that and by living that way, I think you, it's almost a self-perpetuating cycle where you become further and further you know, anxious and worried and striving and stressed and busy. Mm-hmm. And you just, you, know, you just spiral. And mm-hmm. I think that that's where a lot of us live. Wow. That's, man, that's so good. Uh, the, 
the Psalm 23 comes to my mind where it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. And that's yeah. like a, and it says, and he restores my soul. Well, it's, you know, I, the first time I, first several times I read that, it's like, okay, lying down in green pastures, that sounds so peaceful. That sounds so, but what it says <laughs> is he makes me. And so I wonder if, if we're not building this rhythm of actually lying down in green pastures by our own volition, God's like, all right, I'm going to make you lie down yeah. because your body needs to rest. <laughs> you need to be a little bit more, you need more whole of a person to contribute to the kingdom. The, you yeah. just introduced this concept. You said this word self-care. And for me, yeah. again, it's probably my three Enneagram, but self-care, it's probably a combination of three Enneagram and, and pastor that is constantly going like, <laughs> hey, you know, serve the kingdom and volunteer and, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. But self-care seems selfish sometimes. Right. How do I like get over this notion that this is a selfish <laughs> thing for me to take care of myself, you know? Because yeah. I've been, I say things like, hey, I mean, and scripture says those who refresh others will be refreshed in return, right? So it's like, just pour right. yourself out. And that's a life poured out is a life filled up. And those are great things and they're true, but it can lead us to thinking that self-care is selfish. So, so what would you say about that? Yeah. I mean, that's something that I have had to grow into. And I think, you know, partially as someone who, you know, has worked in churches and does a lot of, you know, ministry stuff. And then also I think when you have kids, you start to, you know, you want to do everything you can for your kids yeah. and take care of them. And, and that's all really good. And we're, you know, of course you should care for your children and it's great to pour into other people. Um, but the problem comes in that when we give and give and give and give and give, like we have nothing left. So, right. right. You know, we, like I would say the times that I have been the most disconnected relationally or have the, had the shortest views or had the least grace for the people around me is when I'm giving too much. Mm. And so it's almost counterproductive. It is counterproductive in yeah. the sense that, you know, I might be organizing this huge event for some kind of outreach thing or, you know, and doing this for this other group and then doing this stuff for my family and all that. But like, if I'm not, if I'm never allowing myself to be poured back into, and I'm just pouring out and pouring out and pouring out, like you're empty and yeah. you don't have room for grace. You don't have room for meaningful connections. Um, and you can't really, yeah, I think we become the worst versions of ourselves yeah. and that's not really serving anyone. That's not serving the Lord. It's not serving our neighbors, our families, our churches. It's not really serving anyone. So wow. it does kind of become this counterproductive thing. Whereas by contrast, you know, it might be uncomfortable to say no to some things or to do less of some things. That's very uncomfortable to me. But then when, yeah, when we engage with our friends and family and the people around us and in the areas that we are giving to, we're doing that from a place of, yeah, just having energy and life to give. And, you know, when we're not completely exhausted, we can be, we can be gracious to yeah. people and we can, you know, that's when we actually can have those meaningful um, interactions. So, wow. yeah. We'll get back to my interview with Jen Wise in just a moment. I wanted to hit pause for a second and remind you of an opportunity we're making available that we're especially excited about. Nothing is wasted coaching. Christy and I have interacted with countless of you who are walking through some type of trial, transition, or tragedy. And the common thing we're hearing from you is how easy it is to find yourself stuck in the middle of your valley. Let me tell you, this absolutely breaks our hearts because we know how easy it is to get stuck 
and how difficult it is to get unstuck and move forward in life in such a way that you're not just surviving, but you're thriving. Nothing is Wasted Coaching is our effort to answer this question for you and help you navigate your valley. And I can promise you, once you begin climbing out of your valley, you can look back over your shoulder and you'll have a completely different perspective on your valley. What used to look dark and ominous and maybe threatening, as you look back over it, it almost begins to look beautiful. But the only way out of a valley is to go directly through it. And finding your way through it can be extremely difficult. That is why we'd like to come alongside of you and help you develop a personalized pain to purpose plan. When my wife Amanda passed away, I, I wish I had had a coach walking beside me and helping me create a plan for what life should look like moving forward. Although I had some really great counselors and some fantastic mentors helping to, to buffer me, the one thing I lacked and what I really needed was a guide. I probably would have increased my effectiveness for God's kingdom work and drastically decreased the amount of mistakes I made over the last three years. The truth is you need a guide that can point you back to God's plan and purposes for the pain you're walking through. And we'd be honored to be that for you. So we're offering this coaching in two modules, one-on-one -on -one coaching, which some people are choosing to do as couples. And we highly encourage that and group coaching, but there are a very limited number of spots left for these coaching opportunities. And the February 27th registration deadline is fast approaching. So pause the podcast interview right here. Go right now to nothingiswasted.com slash coaching and claim your spot. In addition to all this, for this particular coaching cohort, we have drastically discounted the prices compared to what these services usually cost and what they're going to cost in the future. And, and I'll tell you the reason for that. We're asking this first cohort to give us feedback all throughout the 12-week journey in order for us to fine-tune this framework for others in the future and in order to help us create other content and material that will help people as they live, learn, and lead through pain. So if you want to navigate well your valley and get in on the ground level of helping others do the same, join us for our March to May Nothing is Wasted coaching cohort. Simply go to nothingiswasted.com slash coaching and choose the module that works for you. Now, let's get back to my interview with GenWise. So I'm, I'm listening to this. I'm like, Jen, I hear you. You know, let's say listener, not me, obviously, because I'm very refreshed and renewed <laughs> at all times. No, <laughs> I hear you. I love what you're saying about this idea of rest, renewal, you know, replenishing. But how do I do that practically? Like, what do you have any yeah. tips for us? Obviously, it's got to be more of a mindset, you know, than it is like right. the mechanical tips and tricks of it. But how do I begin to move into that space practically of, okay, I, I want to, I want to right. live out of the overflow and not, you know, living on empty. Yeah. I think, um, the things that I would start with, um, one would just be doing less and going, going to bed earlier, which sounds mm. kind of silly, but I think going to bed earlier, um, and just getting actual rest is really hard, but it's a total act of faith. If you're someone who is hyperproductive, which most of us are. Yeah. Um, and then doing less is difficult, but the way that I went about that for myself was 
spending time thinking about, you know, what are my top three highest values for my time right now? Mm. And there are things that, you know, you just have to do in life. But the thing, you know, when you're asked to do a million things during the week and the month and asked to volunteer and be in this different group or work on this project, um, or even to attend things that are maybe fun or, you know, could be interesting. Right. I kind of, I had to spend some time thinking through, you know, what are the top three priorities for my time? Um, and for me, it, you know, it boiled down to like hyper-local ministry, like, you know, pouring into my children and, um, kind of like writing and speaking. Yeah. So as things started coming in, um, you know, that week, that month and that's continued, I kind of filter everything through that. Okay. And, you know, I, those things are going to be different for everyone and they probably change with time, but I just, yeah, to me, that was the most, that was the most helpful, tangible thing for me to do in terms of kind of reclaiming space in my calendar to, you know, sit and read a book or play the piano or go to yoga or whatever the things are that, you know, help you just relax and rest and be at peace. Um, so that, that would be my top tangible advice, I guess. That's, that's great. What, how does like, um, you know, if we're talking about the whole mind and body and soul and all of that, how does maybe exercise and eating and, and eating right, uh, how does all that play into it? You know, someone's like, yeah. Hey, cool. I love the rest idea. Like, you know, <laughs> I can sit on the couch and I can, but there's so much renewal that can happen with recreation and with exercise and with eating properly. And there's like this, what, how does that yeah. play into it all? What would you say? How, well, how important is that in this whole equation? I mean, I'm not a nutritionist, but to me, that is hugely important. Mm. I think, you know, what we put in our bodies really affects how we feel. Um, and, you know, when you're eating garbage, partially because maybe you like it, but also partially <laughs> because that's all you have time to grab, right. you know, you don't have the actual fuel you need to get through the day, even just thinking in terms of like the way that your brain's working. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the same thing with exercise. I think it's easy. It's kind of one of the first things to go. Actually, those are two, probably the first things to go when you're busy is like mm -hmm. eating right and exercise. Cause you think, you know, Oh, like I'm already busy. I can't spend 45 minutes, you know, right. going to this exercise class or going for a run. Um, but the thing is like when you do those things and those are a part of your rhythm, it actually gives you more energy. And it also gives you, especially with exercise, I think it really gives you mental space. Um, I think the times that I am in a rhythm of, you know, getting to the gym or working out at home or whatever it is I'm doing, those are the times when I do feel at my best, like physically, but also emotionally. And yeah. that makes a huge difference. Yeah. That's, that's so good. Well, no doubt stress is going to come into our life. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, it, you can talk about it from a spiritual standpoint. You can talk about it just from a practical standpoint, but we are, you know, we are working against yeah. something that's working against us. I mean, that's just the reality <laughs> of the fallen nature of our, of our world. And so stress, it's going to be stressful. It's going to be pressurized. It's going to be difficult, but how can we, um, you know, how can we practically find ways to relieve that stress? What what is that? What does that look like? You know, from a uh, from a perspective of someone who is walking with Jesus, you know, and trying to be the yeah. best version of themselves, becoming more like Jesus. What is what does that look like? Because I don't. I mean, you read in scripture. He says, "Take my yoke upon me." It's easy and it's right. light. I don't see him be like, "Okay, <laughs> when you follow me, it's going to be you're going to be stressed out all the time." Now he does say, "In this world, you're going to find trouble," but like. I'm sure Jesus wants us, he said, don't worry, you know? So how do we, how do we find ways to relieve that stress when it comes? Yeah. Um, I would think one of the things I talk about in the book is the idea of life-giving practices. 
And that's just, you know, ways, things that, and those might be different for everyone to some extent. I think there's probably a lot of overlap, but practices in your own life that refill you and restore you and reduce stress. So, you know, I think, you know, for me, like I like to get up before everyone else and have some quiet time and maybe I'm reading my Bible or maybe I'm reading a different book and praying or just having a minute. That's something that does make a difference in my day. Mm. Um, Maybe it's a close friend that you, you know, it's really good to have that connection. And so once a week you just get coffee for 20 minutes or, you know, maybe your life is insane and, but you can, you know, over your lunch break go for a walk outside. Yeah. So I do think like, there's always something that you can incorporate into your day. Um, that can just give you a minute to, you know, hear from God. You're not staring at a screen. You're not, you know, running around, running errands. Um, But yeah, I think that having those times are really important. And then another thing that I think is, you know, really huge for reducing stress when you're feeling a lot of anxiety and pressure is um, my pastor talks about how when, you know, when we feel stressed or, you know, when we have a lot of anxiety, we're worried you know, our natural inclination is to like, just ask God, ask God, ask God, which is good. We should bring everything to God, of course. But um, we've been talking about, and something I've been practicing is when that anxiety is rising, I'm worried about the future. I'm worried about how this thing is going to work out or where that's going to come from. um, Is instead like worshiping God because Mm. it reminds you of who God is, which is, yeah, I mean, it's really transformative. Um, I just think that you know, people might say, oh, you turn on Christian music and it's like this cheesy like band-aid for your problem. And that's not what I'm suggesting, but I do think there's something to be said for, you know, if you were to turn on a worship album and to really truly like worship God, it reminds your heart like who God is. And yeah. that is the best thing that can reduce your anxiety, I think. Yeah. That's so good. We we've said before, we say this often around here that worship is your greatest weapon against worry. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, because it does. It reminds you of how how big your God is and and therefore how small your problem is in the scope and the nature of how big your God is. And so, um, man, I love that. And I love this idea of life-giving practices because it's... That's kind of a, a, a that's a it's a new concept, you know. We've I've had so many people ask me like, "Hey, you know, the Bible talks about Sabbath rest. What does that mean? Do I just, you know, am I supposed to just like sit right. at home and not do it?" <laughs> and, and and that's it's exactly what I've told them is like, "What what gives you life? What brings yeah. life back into you? What's restorative for you?" And it's different for everybody, and it might right. even take a little bit of experimentation to try to figure out what that is. Some people love walking around in nature, going for a hike. Some people love to exercise, play flag flag football. Some people love to sit and read by a fire. Some people love to travel and adventure. You know, right? But what is it that gives you life? I think that's such a great thing uh, to think about, and 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 it really goes back into the self this self care thing um, yeah. that we've got to. We've got to wrap our minds around as as followers of Jesus. It's okay to take care of yourself. It's okay to put the you got to put the oxygen mask on yourself sometimes, right? Before right. you can put it on somebody else. You help other people. Yes, I think that's great. So this means yeah. though that we're gonna have to we're gonna have to measure success differently in life. Yeah. How should we How should we go about measuring success then? Yeah, you know, to me, like I think that. Um, meaningful relationships and yeah, I guess, yeah, meaningful relationships and my ability to rest in, um, in, in trusting God. Like to me at this, this point in life, like that is, I guess, how I measure success. I think mm. I used to think of success, um, as doing everything perfectly and, you know, 
meeting all my goals and having everything just fall in line just so, and, you know, having my house a certain way and my clothes a certain way and my kids a certain way. And I think at some point you like, yeah, you're never going to achieve success that way Yeah. Uh, because, because it's empty. You're just going to keep trying more and more and more and more. Um, but yeah, to me, measuring success is about, um, yeah, like, am I able to, you know, extend grace to myself and grace to others? Yeah. Am I able to, you know, be content with the way God made me? Am I able to engage in the opportunities and the relationships that he puts before me in meaningful ways? Um, and I think like when you start to think of success as those things and then letting God do what God will do, um, that's when things get fun. Like, yeah. I think that's, you know, the best things that have come my way, relationships, opportunities, all of that have been things that God has just kind of put before me that I would have never gotten to by clawing my way through life. Right. That's so good. Well, I know that you, um, this, this book is for everybody, but specifically you're speaking a lot to, to women in this book and the nature of how right. they can walk through, you know, this, this life in these unforced rhythms of grace. So I'm going to give you, we have a major listenership, you know, a lot of women who are listening to this. I want to give you an opportunity to speak directly to them because we all know like, you know, our, as, as, as men, our wives can set a tone for our household and whether your stress yeah. levels are high or whether they're like, you're really walking in this grace and extending grace throughout the household. But how would you suggest if you're talking to, you know, if you're sitting down with a, a group of women right now, how would you suggest what is, what's one thing they can do today to um, really make life less chaotic and less cluttered for their family and begin to kind of set that tone of a less, you know, less stressed and less frenzied lifestyle (laughs) for their family, you know? Yeah. I would say take some time for yourself, which Mm. sounds, again, sounds counterintuitive. (laughs) 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 But, you know, and again, and that doesn't even, I think people think, oh, you need to go do some spa day or some amazing, crazy thing. But even just shutting your bedroom door and reading a book for an hour, like Mm. I, women don't do that because we are, I mean, maybe some women do, but most women I know do not do that. We don't, you know, because you feel like there's just unending things to do. Um, and there's so much pressure on women today. I, I mean, I personally feel like I should be amazing in like every sphere of life and that's impossible. I'm not amazing in any sphere of life. And I certainly can't measure up to like all the different people I see on Instagram or, online that are like just crushing, you know, all these different areas. So like maybe letting that go and just actually taking time. Yeah. To do something fun, do something to rest. And I think that that is so true that like a lot of times as women or as moms, like we can really influence the tone in our homes. Like Mm -hmm. if we're stressed, maybe everyone's stressed. Mm -hmm. So I think letting go of this idea that we have to be around doing everything for everyone and instead taking some of that time for life-giving practice and for self-care to then be able to re-emerge with our families, you know, as whole people yeah. that aren't just kind of these shells who have poured everything we have out for the people around us. That's so great. And if you're, yeah. and if you're a, a man who's listening to this right now, if you're a husband, I would just offer the suggestion to allow your wife, your spouse to have that kind of space because it really yeah. is going to help your household. You know, one of the things I've realized with my, with my wife is that if I just give her some like 
kind of like some free passes some evenings and just go, Hey, whenever you want to take it, you have a free pass. You just go, I'll tell, I'll have the kids. You just tell me, just give me a little bit of a heads up. Like, Hey, tonight I need a free pass. Like, can I just go out with some girlfriends and get some, re- some right. space from the kids? And you t- I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Cause I know that's healthy for her. That's one of the ways that she refuels. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, for husbands, if you're really to try to figure what that, figure out what that is for your wife, because there is a very big tone setting quality within, um, within your wife and, and your home. And, um, man, Jen, I just, I love this conversation. I think it's helpful to so many people. I appreciate so much you coming on and, and sharing all this with us. And the book has just released so you can pick it up, uh, called the bright life. I got it right here in front of me. I'm excited about <laughs> this book being in our house and just giving us some good tips and tricks. But, um, I, I think it's really great. Where can people find out more about you? Where can they follow you? Yeah. I mean, you can find me on Instagram is where I'm like probably the most active just because it's fun and yeah. it's just Jen L wise. And then you can connect with me on my blog, which is genwise.co. So that's a great spot to kind of find, you know, the links to everything else. So I would love, I love connecting with people online. It's like makes me really happy through my day. So that's awesome. Find me there. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, we appreciate so much you jumping in with us and tell Thank your family, you. we appreciate, you know, them sharing you with us. So Thanks so much for for blessing our audience. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. uh, You guys catch us next time on the Nothing is Wasted podcast. Wow. That was a good episode. Jen Wise. Man. Oh, so good. I want to say, wow, she's so wise. That would be a great (laughs) Instagram handle, like Mrs. Wise. Mrs. Wise. Well, you know, it was funny as we were interviewing her, um, she was just so like, uh, I don't know what the right word is. It's like she, everything was going wrong in the podcast. And so <laughs> she was so flustered. And it was so ironic because we're talking about perfectionism and yeah. like her proclivities to wanting everything to be perfect and everything that could go wrong was going wrong. I'm like, hmm, how appropriate. Naturally. Yeah. How appropriate, of course. Oh, man. So great. You can find out more about Jen Wise on our podcast page. Davy Blackburn slash podcast, episode 46. Uh, you'll be able to download her book from there. It's a fantastic book. Make sure you pick up that resource. And before we sign off, I want to thank Sleeping at Last for providing all the music for this. Uh, Ryan, we appreciate it, man. You can download his music where down, where music can be downloaded and streamed. And uh, it's, it's just good stuff. It's good stuff. Did you know, Mel, you may not know this, that Sleeping at Last, Ryan O'Neill, he has Enneagram songs. Really? Are you familiar with this? No, I need to know about this. All right, you're going to need to go. Man, I can't believe you're part of our Nothing Is Wasted community and don't know about Ryan O'Neill's Enneagram song. I'm ashamed. So go look up Sleeping At Last, and he has done a song for each Enneagram type. And he is uh, currently on number eight. So Mm. he hasn't gotten to all of them. He's currently, he's about to release number eight, which is yours. That's your Enneagram. Yeah. So well, I'm looking forward to this, Ryan. So you'll have to start with number eight, and then you can actually listen to his podcast where he talks about how how he came about writing these songs. It's it's incredible. It is yeah, absolutely this is incredible. really interesting. Yes, you're gonna geek out over it as much as you love all these personality typings and stuff. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, before we sign off, here is a clip of our next episode on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. One of the things about infertility is it's, it's, it's this constant cycle of hope 
to meet, mm. you know, despair, not and despair is not the right word, but, but dejection and, yeah. and let down. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's a, it's a, it's a roller coaster you can't get off of. It's yeah. a 28 day roller coaster where at the beginning of it, you're hopeful. This is going to be the one we're going to do everything right. Like this is it. And then at the end of the 28 days, like you gotta, you just, you're let down. And then right. you, do we get back on the roller coaster? Yeah, exactly. Do we do it all over again? Right. And that goes month after month after month wow. after month. It's really, it, it there, I've never gone through anything like yeah, that. Absolutely. And it's really interesting the way that men and women process that. We talk, when we talk I about, I was just some, about to ask you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In this whole, the course of all of this, between you and your wife, I'm sure there are differences in the way that you processed it. Absolutely. Try to enlighten me on this because we've got a lot of folks who are listening to this podcast. I mean, a large percent of, uh, percentage of them are women. And so yep. they've many of them have probably experienced the same thing. Right. Give us some insight into how your wife was processing this as much as you can. Give us some insight into how you're processing it, how you're trying to help her, totally. how she's trying to help you, all of that. Yeah, as much as you can, right? Because <laughs> what, what's so different about infertility is for the woman, and this is the conversation Sarah and I had, for it's happening in her body. Yeah. Right? And there's this sense of of ownership of the fact that it's happening in my body yeah. and a sense of responsibility that it's happening right. in my body. I mean, even with the ectopic pregnancy, I remember when we were driving to the hospital and we knew what was going to happen. We, we knew we were going to have to end this pregnancy. And I was holding Sarah's hand and she was crying and she looked over at me and she said, I'm sorry. 